Welcome to Keeping Curious, the podcast that explores creative living through conversations with artists, designers and anyone in between. So whether you're just starting out, feeling stuck or a little lonely in the studio, I'm here to keep you company and keep you curious. Today we're in the amazing Chitty Cakes with Rebecca. Uh, we met last week at the Faisley Wedding Fair and as soon as I heard a little bit more about her story I knew I had to have her on. So I don't want to give the game away so I think we'll start with... Hi Rebecca. Hello. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Good. So, um, obviously I met you doing wedding cakes, but you said that you had a very different life before, so if you can just talk us through where you were to where you are now, and we'll go from there. Okay, Um, well I did the pretty standard um, school, A-levels, university, um, so I did an English degree at Birmingham. Okay. Um, Didn't really know what I wanted to do, but always liked reading and literature and thought it'd be a nice degree to do. Lots of sitting in bed reading novels, was it? which was lovely, yeah. Mm. <laughs> um, so yeah, really enjoyed that. Um, got to the end of that and thought, oh, I'm going to need a job. Um, what kind of career? And I went into law, yeah. um, which is actually more common than people think, because people think you have to do a law degree to be a lawyer. But um, I did a two-year conversion course, so I went to law school after university. And I basically did a law degree in a year, which was kind of intense. And I can imagine that's quite a lot. <laughs> but to take I actually, I actually loved it um, that one year because it was so full on, uh, and it was all theoretical, and absolutely loved it. And then the following year was the more practical training, the sort of how to be a solicitor. This is what it's going to be like, and that was a little bit more dry. But I thought, well, it's just leading to the mm. job that's going to be amazing. Um, and I was really lucky to get a job um, because they're quite hard to come by these like two-year training contracts. Um, and I got one at one of the big firms in the city centre, which was then called Rag and Co. Um, and they're now called Gowling. They're actually now one of our biggest customers. They always order <laughs> their cakes from us, which works out well. Yeah. Um, uh, so I did my training with them for two years. Um, And it's a kind of set scheme where you do six months in various different departments and then you decide at the end of that where you want to apply for a full-time job and what you want to specialise in. And by the time I'd got to the end of those four sets of six months, I was starting to think, hmm, I don't want to do this. (laughs) I don't think I want to do any of these. Um, Not because I hated it. It wasn't horrible. Um, there were some lovely people there and it was some really interesting work um, and as law firms go they were a really good one mm. um, but I just realised it wasn't for me um, I wanted to do something more for myself and I wanted to do something more creative So was this a crisis point or did it just slowly kind of seem, did, you, did you have one day and you're like no I'm definitely on the wrong path or was it a kind of slow I should be doing something else, but I'm doing the sensible route. I should be doing something else, but I'm doing the sensible route. It was, um, it was kind of a combination of things. So I always had it in my head, I'll do this sensible job, I'll do this life thing and, you know, earn money, houses, you know, marriage babies, all that kind of yeah. stuff. And tick, then tick, tick. at some point I'll retire, I will run a cake shop and I'll have <laughs> this amazing idyllic life by the seaside yeah. when I'm 60, you know, that kind of thing. So I kind of had that ticking over in my head. Um, and then... My partner at the time was in a really horrific accident at work and uh, I travelled straight down to be in hospital with him. 
And he woke up from this operation that he'd had, um, and he, he very nearly died. Um, it was it was awful. But one of the first things he said was, "How soon before I can get back to work?" And this was an accident he'd had at work. Yeah. And it was because he loved his job so much that he woke up from this <laughs> awful thing and said, "When can I get back to work?" And I was thinking. Oh, I wonder how long I'll be able to take off work. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> These awful things happen, but I was yeah. thinking completely the reverse, and I thought that's not how life should be. Yeah. Like, you should wake up in hospital and think, when can I get back to work? Because I love my job so mm. much. And that was when I started to think, okay, I'm not going to wait for a time, and I'm going to yeah. do this now. I think that's quite a common thread. Like all the people that I've met, um, and that's one of the things that gave me quite a lot of hope with the people that turned around kind of at certain points in their life and went, I can do something completely differently, and then they make it happen. And I think that it, it can happen that way, that we all stay on the track that's laid out for us, as you say, the house, the kids, the marriage, the job, and it's all kind of steady, 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 and, it, and anything away from that path seems really scary. And I had a very similar uh, idea of wanting to be an artist, and I was like, well, I'll do the sensible thing, and then when I'm in the future, when I've got loads of time, then I'll do it. And then over the course of time, um, well, health and things came in the way, but also I lost kind of a close friend. And it just made me think, you've got no guarantee that you'll get there. No, life's too short. Yeah, so you've got to do it now. So you had your partner in hospital. You decided, I don't love my job enough to wake up from a situation like that and want to go back to work. So what was your transition? Did you retrain? Have you been doing these kind of at the weekends? I, um, looking back on it now, it sounds crazy, but I literally <laughs> the best just, are. <laughs> I just left my job and started making cakes. Okay. I mean, I did it as a hobby. Um, so while I was, during that two-year training contract, I spent six months in London on secondment. And while I was there, because I couldn't find anything like that to do in Birmingham, while I was in London, I kind of took the opportunity and I did a little night course in cake decorating. I'd done loads of baking, always baked for friends for years. So I kind of felt like I knew what I was doing with the baking, but I just needed a little bit of grounding in the decorating. So I did, it was quite a casual sort of course, kind of taught the basics. And then I just spent weeks and months just practicing and doing stuff for myself and just working on ideas and going over things until I felt like I kind of knew what I was doing. Um, looking back now, I realised I didn't at all know what I was doing, <laughs> <laughs> but I felt like I did. Yeah. Um, and so many people said to me, why don't you just do this like one day a week, or why don't you just do this on the side at weekends and have a job so that you've got an income? And something in me just knew I had to, I had to put everything into it or yeah. it wasn't going to work. Um, because being a solicitor in a big law firm like that just takes everything out of you and you can't, you just don't have the spare time or yeah. the energy to be creative on the weekends when you've been doing that Monday to Friday. So something in me just knew I had to just do the leap, quit the job, have the fear and just make it work. And did you have the fear? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah, I had no money for at least sort of nine to 12 months. I lived on Tesco Value Baked Beans and off cuts of cake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that kind of got me by somehow. Um, so yeah, it was quite terrifying and I got a couple of little part-time jobs to kind of tide me over money-wise yeah um, but just little sort of tempy things um and yeah I kind of just made it work because I had to really I think that's the best way you just have to go for it definitely so how from those early beginnings did you then turn it into a business have the shop have the training courses that you're doing now 
So it started as me in a one-bedroom flat um, making cakes to order. So people would come to me and say, I've got this idea for a theme for my child's birthday cake and we'd come up with a design and make it for them and deliver it. Um, quite early on I started running the courses just purely because I had been looking for one myself in Birmingham and knew that there wasn't really anything out there of the kind of thing that I'd wanted to do. Um, so I hired a room above a pub in town um, like once a month and just ran little classes there which worked quite nicely. Um, but then with about, within about nine months um, I was approached by somebody from the custard factory which I'd heard of as a nightclub and okay. didn't really know anything else about it. So. Um, he sort of emailed me and said, have you thought about having some commercial space and would you like to come and look at our studios? And I thought, oh, yeah, I'll go for a look, just out of interest. And I was just shown a big empty room and I thought, yeah, I can make this work. I can make this my studio. It can be a classroom. It can be an office. It can be everything. Um, and we'll have proper premises and people are going to start to take the business. And the vision got a bit clearer. Yeah, and being in an area like this and in an environment where you're around other businesses and other people, it was it was such a good move. Mm. And we were just talking before we started recording about that this area in particular is going to get quite a lot of focus with the High Speed 2 and it's going to get more and more people in this area. Um, I think it's always aspired to be a kind of Camden-esque place and yeah. it, it's never really hit the mark because it's quite difficult to get to mm-hmm. and I think as time goes on more and more people are aware of it and not just the art students that kind of do the nightclubs and then know that there's something creative in the day I think more and more people are coming to the custard factory as kind of Birmingham grows in its profile as well definitely so you're in a good location yeah <laughs> it's definitely attracting more different kinds of people as well like families are coming down at weekends which you never really used to get before yeah um, so yeah, it, it's definitely, definitely on the up. Cool. So walk us through kind of a typical day here, or is there not a typical day? <laughs> yeah, there isn't one really. Um, I teach classes two, three, maybe four times a week. Um, so maybe one weekday I might sort of come in, perhaps get the shop set up a little bit, uh, just make sure everybody's doing what they need to be doing, baking-wise and decorating-wise. Um, I usually pop down here for um, an hour or so a day, um, but that's usually in like six lots of ten minutes, so I spend most of my time <laughs> running up and down and up and down. Um, I will maybe spend a couple of hours decorating um, a bespoke cake or a wedding cake. Um, I might have a consultation with somebody or... A lot of it is responding to emails and phone calls and talking to people about designs and orders they want to place. And then maybe teaching either in the afternoon or in the evening. Um, We teach quite a lot of weekday evening classes just to fit in with people who have jobs and then they want to come and do something creative creative in the evening. Which is exactly the kind of people that I want to target and they get a lot out of it actually. Um, So yeah, my days are quite long. So I usually start about seven, half seven and I quite often go home about nine, half nine. Um, but it's there's so many different things in that day that it doesn't feel like a long day at work. Yeah, because you're meeting so many different people and doing so many different hats. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm baking, I'm decorating, I'm liaising with people, I'm behind the counter, I'm teaching. Marketing, everything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah bit of everything. So what's the craziest cake request you've had? Or what's the biggest challenge you've had? Ooh, somebody once asked for a car engine as their Ooh. wedding cake 
because the groom was a mechanic and they decided they wanted to do something a bit different. And I know nothing about car engines. And he knows everything. <laughs> and he knows everything. <laughs> so I had to make sure every little pipe was leading to the right thing and all the little screws were in the right place. And it was a very particular type of engine, so I had to do a lot of research for that one. Um, there was also a bit of a gravity-defying situation with okay. some of the cakes and the way that they were kind of arranged. So, yeah, that was probably the craziest. Yeah. Um, but good fun. Yeah, good to kind of get challenged and... I think that's what's quite interesting when I was talking to Kerry and like Sally, they're both graphic designers, and we talked about kind of what creativity means. And coming from a kind of fine art background, creativity tends to be, what can I do with this blank page? And the kind of graphic design, and I imagine where you come from, but I might be wrong, is brief, and what can I do with this brief, and kind of twist it into your style. Yes. And I think that's kind of the creative part they come with the initial idea and then you're pitching to kind of say, well, try this. Yes, and we get all sorts of different kinds of customers as well. So we get ones that have a real set idea in their head of exactly how they want it to look. And sometimes that works for us because it's already kind of in our style. And sometimes I just have to say, I either say, you've come to the wrong place. That's not who we are. That's not what we do. Or I... Like you say, I try and sort of tweak it and bend it and say, well, I can do something similar to that, but it'll be more in our kind of style Style. and the way that we do things. Um, And I never like to copy anything exactly because it's just not, that's not fun. And we like to put our own mark on things if we can. Um, And then we get other people who just come and say, it's my husband's birthday. I need a cake. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, um, I haven't met this husband. I don't know anything about this husband. Can you give me a bit more information? And it's trying to draw information from them about what are his hobbies, what does he like, what are his interests. And then you'll say something and it'll spark an idea and they'll go, oh, yeah, actually, we could do a bowling green because he's really into his bowls. So you get get a little idea once you talk to them. But we um, get everything in between. So people Mm. get a bit of an idea, a lot of an idea and everything. And, you know, we have to try and fill in the gaps and work out what makes them happy and still do a good job doing it hopefully yeah <laughs> so how do you decide what cakes to do on a kind of day-to-day basis so you've got your kind of set list of the classics or do you try and do wacky combinations to get people here how does um, it work everything is bespoke so we just take orders from people on what they want oh, okay um, so we don't ever we don't really have a set um, like menu or list or anything. Um, so we do, for the shop, we make particular flavours. Um, yeah. And we sit down every two weeks and we say, what flavours are we going to do next? <laughs> what, what, what season's coming up and what can we do? And we, that's one of my favourite times of the week is when everybody goes like, oh, we could do maple and pecan because it's autumn. Mm. Like, oh, yeah, that, that sounds, sounds good. good. <laughs> um, but design-wise, um, it's completely led by whatever what customers like. come to us. Yeah, and that also means that the workload is completely led by the customers. So some weeks we're all sitting around going, um, there's only one cake to make this week, what should we do? And other days where we're like here saying, how on earth are we going to get these 25 different bespoke designs done in one week? It never spreads out evenly. Yeah, so, so how do you manage your time when something like that happens? How do you prioritise which is a bit scary (laughs) it is quite scary Um, you can quite often tell you can look in the diary a little bit ahead so I can try and get the right staff at the right time but sometimes I just look at a day in the diary and I think I'm not going home till midnight that'll be a long (laughs) (laughs) one because that must be the hardest thing with cakes in particular because other types of artwork if you had your diary and you knew that that week in November is going to be really busy 
you can start working on it sooner. But with cakes, everything has to be fresh. So you can't yeah. do any of the prep work ahead. No, there are certain things that can be done in advance. So a lot of the sugar work yeah. um, you can do okay. sort of days before, not weeks and months no. before, but <laughs> still a little bit. So there are ways to get ahead. So there is a lot of juggling around of timings and well if we do this today then it'll be ready for that and that'll be ready for that and we can bake these ones and you know trying to trying to get everything sort of pieced together like a jigsaw yeah um and it usually works (laughs) (laughs) um if someone was interested in becoming a cake maker a baker what advice would you have done from following your journey where you just kind of jumped into it if you could have done it again and knew that you wanted to do it earlier what would you have done um, that's a really hard one because I always, I think back on my strange path and I think all of it led me to where I am now. Mm. Um, I couldn't imagine saying to my parents when I left school, I want to be a cake maker. They'd have thought I was insane. <laughs> um, I don't even know how I'd have gone about it or where I'd have gone to trade for it. Um, it certainly wasn't in my head at that time. Um, so it's a really hard one, but with something like cake decorating, uh, all I would say to people is just do it. Just do it and keep doing it. Mm. And if you have an idea for something, the tricky thing is that it does cost money because the ingredients cost money and you have to have the time to put into it. But if you start doing it and taking photos and building up a portfolio, that's the best way, I think, to learn. Mm. Um, you can go on as many courses as you like but if you're not just doing it then that's always been my problem I've always wanted to do things perfectly so I feel like if I want to try something I've got to find the best course for that and then I'll do the course and then I'll know how to do it and I've always found through my journey from talking to different creatives the people that are successful are the ones that just go with it and learn it and they make the mistakes and they don't care and they'll try again and and I think it's that journey and no one can teach you how to do it your way. Mm. Only you can do that through trying different methods and working out what works for you and what doesn't. One of the things that I've been doing recently is um, loads of kind of YouTube tutorials if there's anything that I kind of want to learn. And kind of self-education has been massive. Yeah. And I think that it you do need the training and I think running the courses like you do, I think that can build people's confidence. But you're right that it is just do it. <laughs> yeah. Just try it. Try yeah. it. And we, we, it, it is confidence because we see a lot of people who come to course and some that you can see have got a real spark and are really, really talented, but they need that assurance that what they're doing is right. Mm. And they're pointing out little flaws and you say, that's okay, because next time you do it, that won't be there. And then the time after, that won't be there and you'll, you'll get better and better. But yeah, building people's confidence is a, is a big thing. And not everybody has it and you can't... Mm. You can't just tell people to have confidence either. It's something that has to... So how do you feel like you grew your confidence by doing it? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think I'm quite lucky. My parents kind of instilled in me um, a feeling that I could do anything I wanted to do. And they always supported it. Mm -hmm. So I think I've always had a kind of... Sometimes unfounded, but <laughs> <laughs> a sort of feeling that I could do anything I wanted to do. Yeah. Uh, if I worked hard enough, I could make it work. Um, and I do believe that of anybody. I think anything's possible if you work hard enough. I believe that. Like, people that are doctors now at 20, 
they trained and you can probably discredit the first 10 years of their life so they trained for 10 years so if I wanted to right now decide to be a doctor in 10 years I could make that happen and I think that's such a powerful thing for people to realise that just because they've gone down a certain path doesn't mean they've shut off all the doors behind them. No. I think quite a lot of people do feel like that. They feel like, well, I've trained in this and there's no way I can be X, Y, Z. And especially, as we said, like if you've got a creative part of you that you're not getting chance or the the opportunities you've had so far haven't allowed you to do it, it's still there. Yeah. (laughs) But it's just finding a way of kind of making those two points meet. Um, So you said that your parents were really supportive when you were growing up. Did you have a goal of what you wanted to be growing up? Really little. Um, when I was really little, I used to say I wanted to be a teacher in the daytime and a nurse at night and an artist in my spare time. So you really wanted to be busy? I'm really not <laughs> sure what spare time I imagined I would have, being a teacher in the day and a nurse at night, but I, I really vividly remember saying that. I think I thought, I think I must have realised that some people were nurses at night time and I thought, well, that's a really good use of time if you yeah. work in the night time and the daytime and then I'll just, I'll just do art in my spare time. Um, but then, uh, I suppose a bit older, I, I really was quite into journalism, so I had it in my head that that's what I wanted to do. Um, I did a couple of bits of work experience and kind of that kind of put me off in a way. Um, I think I just realised I didn't have quite enough opinions. So although I really liked writing... I never felt like I had strong enough opinions about anything to make any kind of worthy mm. contribution to journalism. I'm not political and didn't really have any, any yeah. strong convictions. And I, well, I think it's not so much strong convictions. The people that seem to do well in journalism are quite controversial. Yes. And they don't mind standing next to it, even if everyone else in the world's going, are you crazy? Yes. And I'm a very much a keep everybody happy and sit in the fence <laughs> kind of person. So yeah, <laughs> as soon as I put something out there, if people were like, no, you're just wrong, I'd be like, am I wrong? <laughs> and then go into a kind of path of research to see whether that... Because I, I try and kind of stay as open as you can. I think with journalism, you're right, you have to kind of be quite headstrong. Um, so it's a different discipline. You can't be inquisitive, really. No, you can't question whether you think that you have to just think you just have it. to go for it. Yeah. So, what's your philosophy of life? Uh, enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, take every opportunity. Um, and just try and be happy. And what makes you happy? Being busy. Oh, your childhood dream. <laughs> <aren't> you? Just <laughs> that one. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah. I find, I always um, when I am busy, all I want to do is nothing, and then I have five minutes of nothing, and Enjoy I just want to be busy same. again. Yeah, yeah. I, I can feel that one. <laughs> and what makes you feel the most accomplished? Um, getting like, positive feedback, probably from customers. Um, so when somebody actually makes the effort to come in and say we really loved the wedding cake you made for us or yeah. they send an email to to say something or someone who's been in the class has achieved something or they've set up their own business and then they've come back to us and said this is all because we started a course with you and it inspired me or that kind of thing so yeah 
That's really nice. I think that we're also in a culture where people don't tend to leave positive reviews. Mm. They tend to only put reviews if something's gone wrong, like the TripAdvisor type thing. I think it's a shame we could, and it's something that I really want to try and do more of because it does make the world a difference, especially to small businesses, mm-hmm. that if you've had a good experience to just say, yeah. It's so nice, and it's, it's so nice when people just make the effort to pick up the phone and we just get a phone call saying, I just wanted to say thank you. Yeah. It was, it was exactly what we wanted, and we're like, it means so much. Yeah. And it's a tiny thing. Um, and there's probably loads of people out there, well, hopefully, there's loads of people out there <laughs> thinking it but not picking up the yeah. phone. Yeah. Um, so when people actually do, then that that makes it all worthwhile. Yeah. So what are you most thankful for? Um, my health. Hmm. <laughs> well, you did a marathon yesterday, so I did. So the ability to be able to put one foot in front of the other for twenty six miles, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> um. And yeah, like we were saying, you know, not everybody gets to see retirement and mm. live out their dreams. So I am thankful that I had a go at mine and it worked. It worked. <laughs> um, and what's your vision for you and the business going forwards? Where do you want it to go? What's your... Um, I've got a dream in my head because of the way that we're set out at the moment. We've got this lovely cute little shop that I adore um, and then we've got two studios over in another building and what I would love is for somehow the two of them to be in the same place um, so I'd love to have like a I'd still really like a quirky sort of building like like we've got here but it'd be amazing to have one big space where we can have classrooms and kitchens and an office and Shop and have everything, yeah, all in one. But that would be amazing. Is that just so you don't have to run up and down? The stairs really, yes. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's just nice for um for our staff as well to all feel like they're all in it together because we quite often we're separated. Yeah. Um, and not everybody gets to see each other all the time. And the way we used to be when we were always just up in the studio, there was lovely family all together. Yeah. So that that's the dream for the future. One day. Sounds good. One day will happen. <laughs> it will. Um, so who inspires you? If it helps, Kerry's was Michael Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Um, wow. Um, I'm going to say J.K. Rowling. Mm, she's one of my biggest inspirations. Yeah, that, that thing of... Being in a job and having no money, but then just having an idea and then doing it. Acting on it, yeah. Um, and just having faith that it would work. I don't think she could ever have, in a wildest dreams, imagined how much that idea would have changed the world. No. And it was her sitting on a train one day thinking, oh, that's an idea for a book. Uh, well, maybe it could be a set of seven books. Oh, maybe this is how it could work. And then just, just doing it. Yeah. And, and then having the faith to keep going to publishers and saying... No, I really do believe in this. Please look at it. And then one day somebody did. So mm. I think that's pretty inspiring. Definitely. Um, we're kind of wrapping it up, but one of the questions that I like to ask everyone is what would be your perfect day if you didn't have to worry about time or location? So you can wake up anywhere in the world, you can go to bed anywhere in the world, you can eat in different countries... Food's a big thing with me. Um, <laughs> <I'm> a- <laughs> <laughs> but 
But yeah, what would be your absolute perfect creative day? Wow. Um, wow, there's a lot of options here. Um, I would maybe wake up in Australia. Okay. Could be anywhere. Yeah, anywhere. Um, early, late? Early. How early? Dawn. Okay, dawn in Australia. On the beach. Are you sleeping on the beach? Or um, you got like a nice little cabin? I think maybe a tent. A tent, okay. Something like that. Or a caravan. Yep. Um, and doing some kind of... I'm actually quite into um, sewing and knitting in my spare time when I'm at home. So I don't really bake anymore at home, but that's my kind of creative time off outlet. Not very good at it, but I enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, but you're doing it. <laughs> I'm doing it, exactly, I'm doing it. Um, so I would probably, uh, on the beach, do some kind of um, workshop, maybe be taught to do something a bit new. Okay. Like crochet or something and actually be able to do it. Yeah. Because um, last time I tried crochet, it turned out in a little <laughs> knot. I can't do crochet. <laughs> I've tried. My mum's tried to teach me. We tried to do blankets. and just, Everything she does is perfect. And I'm like, mm. yeah, big knotted ball. I kept it. Yeah. Just, just, <laughs> um, and then probably some kind of cooking um, aspect of the day. Yeah. I think I would. You've got to have um, breakfast first. I haven't even got to breakfast yet. Wow. Um, You've woken up and done a crochet be a long time. <laughs> <laughs> Not thinking about food or water. <laughs> no. Well, it's got to be some kind of um, some kind of beach barbecue affair. I think maybe for nice. breakfast. Yeah. Bacon sandwich, but outdoors style. Yeah. Uh, lots of fresh fruit juice. Um, I actually think uh, when I'm describing this, I'm kind of taking myself back to a holiday I actually went on in Fiji. <laughs> it was like a flashback resort. Relive that. And one. they had all these creative classes that you could do. So you could do like basket weaving, and you could do jewelry making, and you could do all of these things. And I think that that's what I'm kind of yeah. That's what I'm kind of harking back to. So yeah, just basically a day. A day in Fiji. In Fiji, yeah. So Forget Australia. Australia. Yeah, <laughs> anywhere around there, Southern Hemisphere. Um, okay. <laughs> Yeah, doing lots of crafty activities. But not necessarily baking. No, I probably wouldn't. Yeah, but, um, but you'd quite like the course element, so you'd quite like someone else to kind of do it with you. And I like learning new things, yeah. So yeah. I, like it, I like it. I like being shown how to do something and then going home and trying to do it myself and then maybe changing a few things about it and tweaking it. That's, that's how I like to learn. Yeah. Um, some things I just like to try out myself, but I do like little little courses showing you how to do little things. Things that I can put up in the house. Yeah. And use. Um, and gift. Yes. <laughs> yes. Christmas gifts. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think that would that would be it. And then probably a yeah, little beach barbecue at the end of the day. Maybe with a fish I'd caught. Sounds pretty idyllic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So, I guess last question would be, if someone's listening to this and they might not necessarily want to be a baker, but they want to be a creative, what do you think is your number one piece of advice? Just be true to yourself and be confident in your abilities and in what you can do. Yeah. And if you love something, then you'll make it work. 
because if you love doing it then you'll want to do it and by doing it you'll get better at it and then you'll succeed mm. and if you love doing it the long days don't feel long no and the hard work doesn't feel like hard work yeah perfect brilliant thank you very much okay now we can eat cake <laughs> A big thank you to Rebecca for sharing her story with us. I'm just so pleased that I got to share this one with you. And I think that the whole journey of keeping curious and meeting people um, is to find and share these stories of everyday heroes. Um, I had no idea when I sat next to her at the wedding fair that she would have such an interesting story to tell. And I think she's such an inspiration for just go ahead and do it. Um, it is possible and it is scary and, and I really appreciate Rebecca's honesty and how scary it was in the early days but look where she is today and I have no doubt that she will get her dream space where everyone can work and do workshops in the same place where she sells the cakes um, but yeah if I think if there's any kind of key message from it is it's just go for it you've got absolutely nothing to lose and possibly everything to gain don't leave everything to wait to retirement um life's for living now if you are interested in baking she obviously runs courses so i'd recommend you check them out they're based in the custard factory and i'll put the links below you can also join us on the facebook page where i'll keep you updated with what is coming up next or join in with the facebook group where i'm also sharing a lot more about my story from going from a full-time job into starting my own creative business so if you want to hear more about that and get involved please do and if you got value out of this episode please share it among your friends it really means the world until next time take care and keep curious